let, let's preach a little while, talk a little bit about God, about Jesus. Um, Sister Martha said to me this morning, she has some transcriptions of, of messages that we, we did in 2005. And uh, she said, oh, Pastor Dunn's. Like, this is your, still your, your theme because it's Christ-centered. And we want you to be uh, thoroughly furnished, thoroughly prepared for every good work. And the only way you will be thoroughly prepared, thoroughly, 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 thoroughly prepared is if you lay hold of Jesus Christ and, and recognize what God has given to you in the Son of God. And so I want to talk to you this morning about uh, my subject is Sons of Issachar, and th they have always uh, sort of uh, blessed me and, and maybe intrigued me, these sons of Issachar. They were of the tribe of Issachar, and First Chronicles 12.32 says, the sons of Issachar who had understanding of time, of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. We've talked to you about sons of light recently, sons of the day, sons of God, even sons of disobedience. But let's talk about the sons of Issachar. And when we talk about the sons of, we're saying that who you are and your character, your demeanor uh, derives from who parented you or who engendered you, who brought you forth. And when we say sons of God, that means that God brought us forth. We're sons of light, that means that God's life is light, that he brought us forth. We say sons of the day, we mean sons of God who, who lives in the eternal day. It says brought us forth. And sons of disobedience, that means the devil had something to do with you. And when we say sons of Issachar, it, mean, it means it's not only are they uh, engendered by Issachar, uh, but their father was Issachar, but there was something unique about Issachar because his sons had understanding of the times. They were discerning people. Um, I want us to be also discerning people. Now, they weren't just discerning people and put that discernment in a box, but they were discerning people, and they said, this is what Israel ought to be doing, or this is what Israel ought to be accomplishing. This is what Israel should be advancing. So what that means is that you and I ought to accomplish something. It would be a terrible thing for us to live and not accomplish much when you have the life of God in you. When, when the, the Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, it would be a terrible thing to have all of that, that dy dynamic uh, possibility and those dy that dynamic life in you, and you do nothing with it. And so the sons of Issachar, you and I can now lay hold of that claim of Issachar through Jesus Christ. Because we, we are going to accomplish what God has put in our hands to accomplish. We're going to advance the kingdom. Now, you cannot advance the kingdom while you are involved in other causes. Thank you. I'm going to preach to you. It means to appoint. So you have been appointed for something. So you know, you look at the times and you go, I am appointed for this. I am appointed for this hour. I am ordained for this hour. You know, whenever I talk to you 
And I say things like, uh, one day I was reading the scripture in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. And I read the scripture that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I thought, I said, that was for me. Yeah, because I was reading the New Testament and Paul clearly took Messianic verses and he said, this was uh, 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 Silas and I. We were doing this. We were those who had turned the world upside down. We were now turning men from darkness to light. That's the Messianic scripture. But he said, we're fulfilling this Messianic scripture. How many of us would dare, not, not in some foolish way, but how many of us would dare to say, this, this is for me. This was put there that I might one day read it. A young boy from, a little boy from East Texas, growing up with short pants and barefooted, would read that one day and say, he put that there for me. Amen. Knowing the times in which we live, knowing the times, and not, not living a life of compromise. Not living a life of compromise. We, we, we don't want to offend anybody. I said, as we were walking out, and Sister Martha said those words, I said, I, I, uh, a number of years ago when we founded the church, and there were three of us young men. Of course, my wife and I founded the church, and so she was pretty much uh, like the, the the stage manager. You know, when uh, I was nervous, she pushed me out on the stage. And there I am. She was the stage manager. But there were three of us men who were preaching, and you remember those days. It was George, Stan, and me, and we were. And George one day said something. He said. He said, the Lord will give a person uh, a message, and that person will preach that message their whole life. And I thought, that's crazy. You know, I don't think that's true, but it's true. It is really true. God will call you for something, and what you're doing is you spend a whole lifetime developing that something. You know, it's not just the, the, the same cud that you chewed you know, uh, you know, yesterday, but it's like new and fresh, and you keep taking that same message, and you see that message in everything. That's what happens to us, and that's what has happened to me. So you, you also can have that happen to you, because uh, as we were preaching this, I said to Brother James, who was there, I said, sometimes people think that, or they say that I am now politicking. I'm preaching political things. But I was preaching those before we had the issues. <laughs> and somebody wasn't listening. Are you still with me? Somebody wasn't listening. So, so it's not politics, it's kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. It's how you ought to comport yourself, how you ought to walk things out, how you ought to be single focused and not be looking at all these causes. Those things did not engender you. They didn't bring you here and, and I don't understand how we can sit under this ministry, and I don't say that to pat myself on the back, but I'm saying that to, to aggrandize, as it were, the Holy Spirit. I'm here to say that, that Jesus is speaking to us. He's using us <clears throat> through the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ meets with us here as he did this morning in worship and had his finger on somebody's life. He was directing himself to somebody here in this house. That's what I'm saying. This is a Jesus moment. If you want something stale and dry, this isn't the place. He has appointed you for something. He has, 
He has, called, he, has, he has said, okay, I want you to discern what time you're in. I know that there are great brothers, and I love them, but we disagree on things. But we don't have to be disagreeable because we disagree. I disagree with them on the way they have, they have parsed the Scriptures. I disagree with them on that. See, the Scriptures are living. They're not dead words on a page. They're alive. They're alive. I remember an old preacher one time, and, and, and these old preachers weren't so old now that I'm older than they were. This old preacher, he said he was a mean man, had grown up mean, and um, he, was, he decided that he was going to live life with two pistols. He said, I had two pistols. He kept the two pistols, and uh, one night he w- it was in a hotel room, and he would get his pistols out and put them on the, on the uh, nightstand. And there was a Bible in the hotel room. And he, he looked at that Bible. He said he was mean. Like they, they would always say he wasn't, he wasn't fit to live, nor was he prepared to die, you know. And he picked up that Bible and he opened it like, what is this? He said, and the Bible started to pulsate, pulsate. He, it, it frightened him. He said, and that day he fell on his knees and gave his life to Jesus. And when he gave his life to Jesus, he gave up his two pistols also. Because now he had somebody fighting for him and protecting him. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and things. It doesn't matter how eloquent you, you phrase things. It doesn't matter how gifted you are in debating and arguing. The kingdom is right and everything else is wrong. The sons of Issachar knew that. They knew that. And they knew what Israel ought to be bringing forth. They knew what Israel ought to be fulfilling. Do you know what you and I ought to be fulfilling? Life is not just about getting our felt needs met. It's not just about that. It's about doing something to advance the kingdom of God. I know people say we build the kingdom of God. I, I you know, I don't want to quibble over language here, but I'm not sure we build it. I don't think we build it. We advance it. And we accomplish something on behalf of that kingdom. Now, this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 and 19. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 and 19. Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Oh, wow. This is a time of reset and revealing. And you say, but no, that was in 2020. No, there's no line of demarcation. It's a time of reset and revealing until God tells us something else. And Paul was saying that those times in which he lived, the first century church, he said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, and they were being murdered, murdered for the gospel's sake. Just for telling the truth, for loving people, for worshiping God, for singing Zion songs. They were being murdered. And in that the first century, there were evil men in power who were calling Evil, good, and good, evil. And that's where we are today. That's where we are today. 
And so Paul says, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's like one of our East Texasism, and maybe it was a South Texasism as well. We said, the sufferings of this present time can't hold a candle to what God has for us. Paul tells us for the earnest expectation of the creation, eagerly waits, eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Last time I read this scripture, I I used Pastor Tim's voice as an example. And I remember when he would come into the room, those boys would see him, and they would just start to get on their tiptoes, and they were just on the tiptoes waiting on their daddy, and mom's holding them. And and that's how he says the earnest expectation of of the creation is like that, waiting on us to know what the creation already knows. That we're sons of God. The revealing of sons of God. Does God talk to you? He talks to me. You remember that song? How does it go? He walks with me and he talks with me and tells me I am his own. Father, how does it go? And the joy we share as we tarry there. No other has ever known. Wow. 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 That's good, preacher. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in what you already know. I want to encourage you. You have not made a mistake to leave everything and follow Jesus. The rich young ruler could not leave everything. We have men and women today who can't seem to leave everything and follow Jesus. They, they can leave that which they deem worthless, but can you leave that which you think is important and follow Jesus? The sons of Issachar knew times and seasons. They knew what Israel ought to do, and they were helping Israel Know what to do. Are are you helping people know what to do? I'm asking you a question. Now, that's a question that begs an answer. Are are, are you helping people know what to do? Because you are often told what to do. And and I, I trust that you will allow me just to be an older preacher today. You have been told what to do. You have been told what to do. You have been told what God requires of you. So you ought to be helping somebody on their journey. Let's read something from Matthew. Matthew 16 verses 1 through 3. Matthew. He says, Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, testing Jesus, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. He said, hypocrites, 
Jesus is talking to people. If we were to use uh, uh, words that I would like to use, Israel, of course, was not the church. The church wasn't instituted at that juncture. But if we could say they were the church, they were like the church. They were God's people, God's called out people. And they didn't know what they were talking about. Jesus called them hypocrites. He says, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Have we been co-opted, I ask? The enemy, knowing what we have, and now he comes to us, and he convinces us that what we have is not really what God says. You can have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Oh, God knows, Eve, <laughs> that if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. You will know good and evil. You'll know those things. You can eat the fruit. Come on, be like it. And then, and then there's disobedience. That's what the enemy has done and is still doing today. And I don't call names. I don't like to do that. But one day I might. But only, if I do, you know God told me. But there are brothers who have been lying to us on the Internet. They've been prophet lying. And now they've been called out. They say, well, I, I'm not a false prophet. Well, what do you call a prophet that lies? If we can either call him a false prophet or we can call him a lying prophet. What am I trying to say? Then you repent for that. You repent for that. Let me get to one more scripture. Let me get one more scripture. Uh, you all know that I'm the, like an eternal optimist. You know, my, my messages, they keep growing and growing and growing. But in Acts chapter 1, I want to go to verses 4 through 8. Israel could not discern the signs of the time. But in their history, they had the children of Issachar who could. So we, we are so denominationally minded and persuaded these days. And if we believe that, that the gifts of the Spirit are for, was only for the first century, or if we believe that it's only the Word of God here, the Bible, uh, that, that, that informs us. And, and we just, we, we don't have no gifts of the Holy Spirit. The only thing the Holy Spirit does is sort of this mythical character who somehow saves us. I mean, guides us, but only through the Word of God. He has no other function. That makes absolutely no sense. That we're living in darker days. But now the Holy Spirit is going to withhold the light? It makes absolutely no sense. And so if you are of one of those persuasions, then you ought to find out those who are of the sons of Issachar who really do know what God is saying and doing. Amen. Let me read. Let me read. And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said... You have heard from me, 
For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the the kingdom to, um, to Israel? And he said to them, notice, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. There are times and seasons the Father has put in his own authority, and this is one. But there are things that God is saying, I have now set you forth to do them. I have set you forth to advance them. I have set you forth to fulfill these things. And then we have to say, yes, Lord. I love what Brother Henry said. He said, sometimes when we are alone, we're in bad company. Don't ever, don't ever go... Yes, but to the word of God. Just say, yes, Lord. Are you still with me? Because I believe God has appointed us to change the world. I believe that, that the church of Jesus Christ in 2021 can change the world. All we need are some believers. He said, no, it's not time for you to know that. Verse 8, this is the proper use of but. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall. You shall be witnesses to me. You're going to tell people about me. You're not going to tell them about things. You're not going to tell them about governments and, and, and senators and congressmen and, and so forth. You're going to tell them about me. Your message is not going to be about stuff. It's going to be about me. Hallelujah, somebody. You shall be witnesses to me. Now, if you can hear that and say, I disagree, ooh, you're sink on sinking sand. I'm speaking to everybody. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth and to Palestine, Texas, Corpus Christi, Texas, Austin, Texas, Houston, Texas, Salem, North Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, Atlanta, Georgia, Washington, D.C. You will be witnesses to me in Freer, Texas. You'll be witnesses to me. You'll tell people about me. Do I have any sons of Issachar in the house? In the name of Jesus. Sons of Issachar in the house. Who know the times and seasons. Who know that this is your time. This is your hour. This is why you were born. You got something to say to this generation. Jesus has saved you. He didn't save you so that you could be safe in a little corner. He saved you that you would go forth and speak his word. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody.